Twice. All right, we are recording. All right, I am Nick Doriso, and I am Zach D'Antonio. Wait, let's do it again. Okay. Do it on the, for the other track. That's a great idea. Uh-huh. Uh, hello, I'm Zach D'Antonio, and I'm Nick Doriso, and this is a career in film. Oh, yeah, we'll have to use that clip of us saying it twice. Yeah. It's the name of the podcast. Each week, we take a director that has one movie that we really love, and then we do a deep dive on their filmography because we're insane and like watching tons of movies. And this week. We are covering Burgermeister Meister Burger himself, Peter Berg. Yeah. Uh, not to be confused with Dave Berg, the guy who used to do the uh, comics in Mad Magazine. I was a big fan of him. Yeah, you lost me on that one. All right. So, <laughs> Peter Berg. Mad Magazine? What kind of childhood did you have, man? <laughs> I don't know. I blocked a lot of it out. That's Let's fair. see. All right. Um, so, Peter Berg. The reason we picked Peter Berg to go off is, is yeah. you were a huge fan of the movie The Rundown. I love the movie The Rundown. And that's the reason we did it. And uh, he's got a really robust filmography. There's actually a lot there. We had to watch some shit. Uh, but, but that's why we do this, because we found some stuff we liked. We did. Um, so, yeah. Let's go back to the beginning in the Way, Way Back Machine. Uh, born on March 11th, 1964 in New York City, New York. Yeah, his dad was a Marine. Yeah. If you've ever seen him talk, both of those things are very apparent. Um, but so, uh, he moved to LA, had some odd jobs while he was working as a PA, and then he actually started as an actor in 1988. And pretty much throughout the 90s, he worked pretty steadily as an actor, doing, you know, small supporting roles. I think he had, like, one lead in indie, or a secondary lead in indie. Yeah. Um, but I always kind of knew Peter Berg as Eddie Burns, where really he's not. He's, like the more successful version of Eddie Burns, but he didn't have as good of an acting career as Eddie Burns. That makes sense, yeah. Well, Eddie Burns is... Eh, no, I don't want to get him. Whatever. Uh, but I confuse the two in my head a lot. Um, it's, the, the, it's the Burr, at the, the last name, I imagine. And the fact they are both from New York. Yeah. Peter <laughs> Berg, how you doing? Um, but yeah, so we're going to start off with Peter Berg's very first film. 1998's very bad things. Yes. So this movie is an interesting one because it has a, it has a cult following. There are people that think this movie is good. We know one. Uh, well, yeah, but, he's a fucking uh, asshole. <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> very bad things is uh, to put it to put the the plot line in the most simplest of terms. Imagine if The Hangover was made with a relatively decent cast in 1998. Except uh, they merge it with I Know What You Did Last Summer, I guess. The whole thing is, like, imagine if the guy, Hangover guys killed a stripper or prostitute. I think it was a prostitute, right? Or was it a stripper? I don't I know. Don't, uh, I don't uh, gray area. Yeah. A Vegas night worker is murdered by, well, unintentionally murdered by this group of bachelors. And then they, they cut up her body and they hide it. And it negatively impacts their lives thereafter. That's the that's the bare bones of what the plot of Very Bad Thing is, is. Sounds interesting and could be kind of fun. Sure. Almost reminds me of Girls Trip. Rough Night? That's one. That's the one. Fuck. <laughs> I butchered my own joke. <laughs> yeah, sounds like Rough Night. The better version of this film is literally the same movie, but it's like funny. Yeah, well, you can get into, uh, the, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. No, 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 but, um, so, uh, we both have watched this film. I think we both rated a one. Oh, I, um, yeah, I despise this film. 
it really has nothing good in it, and it's such a shame because it has such good parts coming together. The cast is stacked. I mean, Peter Berg becomes a better director, I thankfully. I mean, you've got, it's John Favreau, it's uh, Christian Piven. Slater, right? Uh, Slater oh, in is Piven in it? Piven's in it, for sure. Yeah, Piven and Slater. Yeah. And Favreau. Cameron Diaz? Yeah, it sounds yeah. right. I'm just guessing we should have written down the fucking guess. Yeah, we should have. We did. But the we did. only thing <laughs> I wrote down for this movie is the, the notable quotes from Roger Ebert. Because Ebert said, Peter Berg's Very Bad Things isn't a bad movie, just a reprehensible one. It presents as comedy things that are not amusing. If you think this movie is funny, that tells me things about you I don't want to know. He also ended his review saying, I left the theater feeling sad and angry. Which, that's kind of how the movie made me feel. Oh, yeah. Big Rog was right on this one. No, it's, yeah, it's bad. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend this movie to enemies. Uh, this movie's really It's bad. one of the worst movies I've ever watched. It's, yeah, it, it's... I appreciate where you're watching a movie and like it just makes you feel dirty because of how fucked up it is. I think like Todd Salons's uh, film Happiness, um, where it's a movie that's so incredibly fucked up, uh, but you're laughing anyway because it, it it pulls that you know that sort of primal instinct of of finding things funny that you shouldn't find funny. This isn't like that because it's not funny. It's just shitty. It's just it's just like oh this is gross and awful and yeah. I hate it. Uh, it's easily his worst film. Uh, I don't recommend anyone watch it. I, if you're a crazy person who's watching all the films that we talk about, just skip this one. Don't do it. Well, no. If you're a crazy person who's watching all our movies that, that we're talking about, then you're a completionist and you must watch it. No, I just true. I just recommend, you know, drinking first. And putting away all the handguns. Yeah. But he comes back in a big way, baby. There you go. Go for it. 2003's The Rundown. Oh, fucking wild, Zach. This movie fucking rules. <laughs> I rewatched You know what? It holds up. It is a fun 2000s action film. Um, so the opening of this movie is very notable because Arnold Schwarzenegger had just become governor. And he has a small cameo where him and Dwayne The Rock Johnson are walking past each other and they kind of like give each other a smile and a nod. And it was, it was the moment where Arnold Schwarzenegger passed the torch of action hero off to Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And that's how this movie fucking starts. <laughs> Basically, it's the story of Beck, played by Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and he is a return specialist. Uh, basically, he works for uh, mobster... Uh, corporate guy you don't quite know what he, like some kind of a money shark sure. loan shark um, retrieving collateral or retrieving debts and then he has to go find the guy's son that's the bare bones premise um, movie starts like any given Sunday he's going into like this crazy nightclub because he's got to go up against I think it's like the LA Rams um, one of the guys on the LA Rams made a couple bad bets and took on some debt and he's got to go collect the debt or collect the guy's Super Bowl ring. And it starts off with like this Suicide Squad-esque like flashing of like, you show a picture, you show his stats. And then all of that is intercut with like, you know, pictures of people tackling people and then buildings being demolished and then skull and crossbones and then pe more tackling and bones breaking. And it's just like, it's so fucking in your face with cocaine. Oh God, it's great. Um, but, uh, so he beats the shit out of people in a club in a really fun, cool fight scene. Um, 
There's actually, if I can yeah. pause for one second, it's an interesting parallel from a filmmaker growth standpoint because as you think of the the most notable scene in Very Bad Things, no movie I hate, is uh, is the scene where they they kill the yep. uh, Vegas night worker, and that's another one where you know there's a lot of flashing lights and strobe and stuff like that. And for me, that scene ends up not being particularly tense because of that. But when it's done in more of a fun action sort of way, he's taking that and applying it to a different genre. And instead of striking out, he's knocking it out of the fucking park. Yeah, and <laughs> it is 100% campy. It is over the top, but it kind of works for this time period. Um, speaking of the time period, another thing to bring out is on the stats. It says, Beck who's Dwayne The Rock Johnson, wait, 2.20. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> no. um, but this is it. This is a movie that is in that very weird point of time where coming out of wrestling, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, I'm just going to call him The Rock, his agents... No, please keep calling him Dwayne, Dwayne The, the Rock, Rock Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. Um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson's agents were like, you have to lose weight because you're too big. And so he is like very slim in this movie. Yeah. And then a couple years later, they're like, no, 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 you're going to be a giant action franchise. Make Hollywood become as big as you, and then he turns into Hulk Hogan. Right. Um, but so we got a we got a slender rock, a skinny rock in this one. Um, Hulk Hogan was the reference you pulled. He's he's a guy with a lot of muscles, yeah. just big. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, Again, yeah, it was just. <laughs> no, no, it was a weird pull. Felt a little dated. It was. Yeah, it was. <laughs> um, but anyway, so he has to go to somewhere in South America to get his loan shark boss's son. And on the way there, we meet who's going to kind of become his sidekick for the movie. It's a bush pilot who has just an indiscernible accent. It's Discount Simon Pegg, where you, like he should have subtitles. If he did, it would be like a funny joke, but you can't understand half of what he's saying. And he goes on like long soliloquies where you catch every other word. It's a quirk. It's fine. Whatever. Um, he goes into the jungle... And he meets the local, I guess, uh, the head honcho, the guy who runs this jungle mining town, played by Christopher Walken. And this is the movie where famously Christopher Walken prepared his bad guy character and started filming. And then Peter Berg said, wait, 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 uh, Chris, can you do this a little bit more like, uh, you know, you? And he was like, oh, so you want Christopher Walken. And that's what this movie is. It is Christopher Walken to the 10th degree, um, including wonderful long monologues like the Catch Me If You Can monologue. But like, I, I feel like a child who lost his tooth and I put it under the pillow for the tooth fairy. But then someone came in the middle of the night and stole my tooth before I could get the money. Do you understand what the Tooth Fairy is? And he's like delivering this to like jungle gorillas. Like that's what this movie is. It's that ridiculous. All of his henchmen have whips. This is a whip movie. And I don't think that the whip is the best weapon for the jungle, but like it leads to some fucking cool action scenes. But my friend Indiana Jones, man, like whatever. Yeah, it's everything you want. Um, he gets down there, he finds the kid. Turns out the kid is Sean William Scott. Sean William Scott is in this weird point of his career where he's trying to step away from Stifler and be like the lead in movies but all of the parts he's getting are like kind of assholes like Stifler yeah it was a rough time for him well this is around the time of like Bulletproof Monk and yeah like yeah this is him trying to 
This is him trying to transition to more of an action star, which it was like it was a realistic route for him to try and go. Yeah, it just never really worked, and I like you know, yeah. Charlton Scott didn't really find his footing until he started doing indie stuff like Goon and um, uh, that other one. I don't remember what it's called. Uh, Star Craving Mad? No, no one's seen that. Uh, I, I'm one of the four people who's in that movie. Star Craving Mad, good movie, by the way. Uh, but anyway, so like, Sean William Scott's playing Sean William Scott, and he's the Sean William Scott you remember. Well, he did Role Models in 2008. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting distracted. Uh, Role Models Role is Models also good. a great movie. Role Models is great. Love it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's in that mode. Um, so he, he gets him, he tries to, you know, bring him back, and then they introduce this weird, like, conflict gold subplot that is going to run through and kind of be Christopher Walken's motive. They're after a giant gold statue because if the townspeople get the gold statue, they can buy their way out of the gold mine. And if... And Christopher Walken doesn't want that to happen because he wants slave labor, basically. Um, and Sean William Scott doesn't want to be found. He crashes their jeep. Uh, they end up stranded in the jungle and then hijinks ensue. Uh, including uh, baboon attacks and monkeys humping the rock's face. Um, they run into rebels, where we learn that Muhammad Ali is the universal commonality. Even if you don't speak the same language, everyone will know, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. No matter where in the world you are. Sure. Um, you get this kind of, you know, it's half-assed, but it's okay because it's such a short section, this Indiana Jones thing where they go to get the gold statue that everyone's been after and, like, they have to swim through a waterfall and there's, like, a, a, a trap door thing with a bunch of poles where if you hit the wrong pole, the ceiling collapses. And, you know, it's kind of fun. And you get the introduction of Corn Labos, something that I will remember until I die. Corn Labos with a K is this fruit that you eat in the jungle that causes you to have, like, early 2000s CGI hallucinations. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, so, they get the gold. Uh, the gold uh, is taken from them again, and basically it ends in a big action scene where The Rock learns that guns are awesome. Because throughout the entire movie, he's just been beating people up with his fists. And finally, he has to learn that Guns are cool. And the whole gun motif is like a thing that goes back, like there's the Johnny Cash song that they play, Don't Bring Your Guns to Town. And he references like, I don't like guns. When I have guns, bad things happen to people. I don't want that to happen. And like, keeps getting brought up. So you just know he's gonna ball out. And he has two pump action shotguns that he just takes down an entire town with. It's great. It's exactly what you want. It is prototype late Fast and the Furious movies. He is doing a lot of demolition of like, shoddy, you know, um, uh, like, poor masonry work buildings that you would find in, like, a mining town by just, like, punching support beams and kicking them and things like that. Well, that's that's been The Rock's thing for a long time. I mean, you think, like, Walking Tall was the same year as this as well, where he literally just pulls a support beam while something starts hitting people with it. Yeah. Like, The Rock was very into in, into using buildings against people. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what he does. In the early 2000s. And it's fun. Like, the jokes are a little stale, but it's not like anything really doesn't hold up. Well, um, the Christopher Walken performance is so over the top, he has a couple great Christopher Walken bad guy monologues, and there's some really fun action peppered throughout it. Uh, honestly, going from very bad things to this is maybe one of the best jumps a filmmaker has ever made. From an abysmal thing to, like, 
not only of the time and functioning, but successful, like on all accounts. Well, and that's where you get into, you know, when you're talking about Berg as a whole with his early work, where you go very bad things into, like, you know, existing in this world of, like, you know, a, a, a dark comedy, a super dark comedy about really bad people, followed by, you know, a, a fun action comedy about people that you'd like. And then you get into, like, Friday Night Lights, which is his next movie, and I'm going to get into that in a second, but it's a, it's a fucking sports drama. Yeah. Like, it's like his variety early on is so aggressive and he really and then eventually you like later in his career he starts to fall into more patterns and stuff like that but early on like he was testing out different things and he he had interesting takes on all of them whether i like them or not by patterns do you mean mark Wahlberg? well that's part of the pattern yeah <laughs> that's one of the biggest parts of the pattern so no, friday night lights i want to talk about this for a little bit um and i'll clarify i am prob i probably dislike this movie more than you did um, Friday Night Lights is the the you know it's a you, in theory it's your standard sports movie. This is not to be confused with the the television show that uh, came out uh, after it afterwards, which um, I think is much better. But yeah, well, I, I don't want to talk about that. He did EP it, yeah, it, it, and but, directed a couple episodes, so like he had his hands on that. But uh, so Friday Night Lights, you're talking about a sports movie that came out, uh, you know, like a sort of. This was after, you know, you got, the 90s was kind of the golden age of sports movies in general. And then uh, in the early 2000s, there were some decent sports movies that came out, but they all started taking a little bit more of a serious tone. Uh, sports movies kind of grew up with us. Um, and so when it comes to Friday Night Lights, Friday Night Lights is this sort of gritty sports movie where, yeah, it's about a team overcoming the injury of a star player. Um, you know, kind of tropes you see in sports movies a lot, uh, but this is a this is a nice, honest, dramatic take of on you know small town football and small town high school football and how aggressive people take the sport, right? Yeah. Um, and while and I had a lot of appreciation for a lot of the acting that was going on, some of the character arcs are very good. In particular, the one of the injured player who was. You know, uh, about to be riding high on a on a major scholarship to a college, and now he doesn't know what to do because he's hurt, and he's only found success throughout his entire sports career. And this is him trying to have to adjust to the possibility of not playing sports ever again. Yeah. No, uh, and like you know, and then you've got the you know the the athlete with name? the abusive father. But sorry. Is the running back's name Booby Miles? Yeah, Booby Miles, yeah. Okay, cool. I, that was in my head. I just had to... Yeah, it was, yeah. it's Booby Miles. Uh, not to be confused with Booby Dixon, the uh, former uh, starting running back for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. real person. Um, name also Booby. Uh, yeah. Although I believe his real name was Brandon. Uh, anyway, not important. Booby uh, Miles. Uh, no, Booby. it's a great arc. I'm just trying to think. The kid with the alcoholic father is good. He also went on to do some stuff. Yeah. Um, the alcoholic father is Tim McGraw. Yeah, who does who, great. Yeah, surprising. Didn't know it was Tim McGraw. Not a country music fan. But when I found out it was him, I was shocked because he does a really good job. Yeah, um, the I guess the big thing for me, and just, oh, I've said mostly positive things about this movie so far, and the, the big thing for me that's a negative, um, ultimately, is uh, it is my least favorite shot sports action I've ever seen. I find it to be impossible to know what the hell's going on in any football game that the movie has. And that's the thing that end up, I guess, one of my gripes with um, uh, Peter Berg occasionally, though not necessarily with everything he does. But later, Peter Berg is going to come up again, where it's I think the cinematography and the the choices of whether it be the choice of his cinematography or uh, sorry of his cinematographer or the you know shots he wanted to use or whatever. Uh, 
just uh, I think he he cuts entirely too fast and too much to the point where you're watching a, a simple pass play which could be done in a series of three to five shots and you're watching 20 fucking shots for this to the point where the idea of what is taking place is completely escaped my brain at this point because I'm like why'd you cut so many times in the air I'm so confused no, it, and also the games aren't really done with particularly notable announcing either yeah. which granted that could you could argue that makes it more real but also as an audience member you generally want to know what the hell's going on in the game uh, especially now I am a football fan so I have a general idea, but there's also a lot of audience members that watch sports movies that don't necessarily know the sport, and I think Friday Night Lights is a terrible movie for people who don't understand football, because I, as a big football fan, still had trouble picking up on what the fuck was going on. Um, and that, to me, is the biggest thing that held it back, that held it back from what would have been a, a three or maybe even a four to a two, because ultimately the sports movie didn't sports right, and I, could, I couldn't get into it. Um, though a lot of people really love this, so I know I'm kind of the minority on it. Uh, it's interesting you bring that up. So, uh, Any Given Sunday came out in 99, so yes. that was like five years beforehand, but like, I feel a lot, uh, I feel like the sports scenes are very similar. It's that quick cutting, but in Any Given Sunday, I think you have a little bit better idea of spatial geography, which, like, part of me thinks that maybe this was really influenced but when you go on with Peter Berg, I think that's one of his biggest problems for me as a director is the quick edit just blurring my spatial geography. So I don't quite know the layout of some stuff and where things are. And this film, the football scenes are really noticeable because the rest of the movie isn't like that. Right. And it's just those football scenes where things get jumbled and mixed up and it's too fast. Uh, but we'll talk about his editing later as we get. Oh, I'm sure. Um, also, one other uh, notable thing about Friday Night Lights in particular, uh, one thing I read about it was, uh, based on the original source material, one thing that they made them cut out was uh, a lot of the, the racism towards the players within the town. Yeah. Uh, and that was ultimately to be able to use the town name, and uh, I believe they actually shot uh, in the town as well. Yeah. And so the agreement they made with the town was they had to tone down some of the, the racial issues that occurred within the time. It is based on a true story. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's an interesting thing to think about in that, like, I don't think it necessarily makes the movie any better or any worse, though it does make it a little bit less real. Um, uh, but it's, uh, you know, I, I get where deals like that need to get made occasionally when you're making a movie, but that's just something yeah. that I found kind of interesting because it was relatively notable from what I understand. Not to keep, like, comparing it to other sports movies, but it I put that in the same category as, like, Remember the Titans. Right. It doesn't necessarily lessen the overall movie for me, but it is noticeable and, like... Once you read that and you find that out, it makes a shit ton of sense. Yeah, for um, sure. The other thing is, uh, I forget if it was his brother or his brother-in-law or someone, but he basically got this movie because there was a um, newspaper article and a book made about the team and the town and stuff, and it was someone who was related to him. Yeah. So he was like, I, I can option this. Like, this yes. I think. Well, um, that's a great way to build your career early on. You know? Yeah, and it was a great <laughs> choice. And Because now you've got three different movies that are all super different, yeah. and now you're about to head into a fourth one that's also very different than those three, right? Yeah. Yeah. Although I would say that ultimately he does parallel movies like this a little bit more later on. He d does a lot of military stuff down the line, but yeah. go on. So in 2007, he does The Kingdom. Um, this is my first time watching it. Uh, honestly, I, I kind of liked it. Uh, I, I went into this movie thinking I wouldn't like it. It's, you know post 9-11 war movie in the Middle East. Generally not my bag. Um, 
and this is loosely based off of some real life bombings in the Middle East on just garbage. If you haven't, you know, if you can tell already, I just don't know a lot of modern history. Anything, you know, that you wouldn't have learned in eighth grade social studies. And they usually stop in eighth grade social studies. Uh, in the south, yeah, that's where we stop. Well, no, no, I'm even in the north. I mean, I'm from Philly, right? You know, yeah. they said they're like, okay, but we don't want to get into modern politics, so uh, yeah. yeah, we're gonna cut this off at like uh, I don't know what uh, when uh, Kennedy gets killed. Or, or, yeah, 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 yeah. It wasn't at the Kennedy, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but so none of that matters, which is one of the strengths of this movie. You don't have to know any of that stuff. It could have been a completely fake movie, and I would have totally been in on it. Um, basically, there's a bombing in the Middle East. Um, a couple people that are stationed in the U.S. and partially in the Middle East go basically, I don't want to say behind enemy lines, but into hostile territory to investigate. Um, so Jamie Foxx is the lead. Jamie Foxx is the lead investigator who runs this team. One of his team members, played by Kyle Chandler, has been killed by the bombing. Wow. Uh, yeah. He did die early back then. Wow. He did, yeah. But he's got to go investigate. And his team is Jennifer Gardner. Who is fine in this movie? Not a great actress, but she's fine and serviceable in this movie. Hmm. Um, you've got Jason Bateman playing the snarky sidekick. Like he should be a tech guy, but he's not because the movie doesn't call for a tech guy on the team. But he did do this for a very small section of his career, and he was good at it. Yeah, where he was just that supporting asshole with a quick comment. Um, and then you've got Chris Cooper, who's like the Ron Swanson of the group. He's kind of like the very grassroots elderly wise one that like sometimes he has good advice and sometimes he just has a little quip yeah so it's a fun cast of characters um it's got some good action it's well paced um but going back to the story the thing that helps this modern warfare is that it's a very compact linear story they're after one guy they know who that guy is pretty much from the beginning um they go after the one guy he ends up kidnapping one of their team members and they follow the team member and then they end up killing the guy. It's very simple to follow. It doesn't get into the weeds of espionage or any of that. Which is to the movie's strength. Um, it, it, feels, I, it feels like a contained story that's told in a genre where generally things get muddled all the time. Um, but yeah. I really liked it. Uh, it's got a great supporting cast, including Jeremy Piven and Richard Jenkins and Danny Houston. Like, it's just a solid little war movie. Yeah. Well, this is, you know, I remember this came out when I was working at Blockbuster back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, the, uh, I remember this came out, uh, I want to say, I guess this was like a year after Jarhead. And they were just like, oh, yeah, it's like, it's like another Jarhead. And my understanding is it's not. It was like, because I remember that a lot of people would, that worked at Blockbuster would talk about it. I had never seen it. And, you know, they talk about it and they'd be like, yeah, well, I mean, Jarhead's not really funny. This is kind of funny. Like, yeah. it's a funny movie. It's it, it's still very based in reality, but it's a it, it's a comedic film. This leans toward a popcorn film. Think like, uh, like uh, what would, we, would you compare it to, like, Three Kings? Uh, yes. Honestly, I, I think I like this maybe a little bit more than Three Kings. Uh -huh. Like, this is a three out of five for me, but it's just, it is a popcorn movie in the post-9-11 era where they very clearly spoon feed you everything you need and you're not asked to bring a lot to it. Yeah. Um, and I kind of like that about this era of war films. Well, it's, yeah. I mean, and it's not a dark personal drama about soldiers. Yeah. That's fair. Um, so next up is a big movie I want to talk to you about. I don't think you've seen it, 2000's, 2008's Hancock. 
I haven't, though I've read your, your litany of notes about it. Yeah, this is... Uh, so, I don't think this is a good movie. I think it is a very interesting movie, though, that eventually history is going to look back on and have some stuff to say about Talking about the awesome level of just career differences, though, he went to a superhero movie after the war movie, after the sports movie, after the action movie, after the fucking dark comedy everyone hates. So, like, he's still just... Diverse career. Really? It's Yeah. Because it's going to keep getting diverse after this, too. But yeah, go ahead. Talk for a while. Let me take you back to the summer of 2008. Sure. People were saying, superhero movies are kind of gone by the wayside. We've gotten some bad installments. The X-Men movie kind of brought it back, but since then we've had some lesser entries. We're losing some interest after the Spider-Mans have gone. Spider-Man 3 hurt, yeah. Yeah. And then the summer of 2008, three superhero movies come out. Iron Man, which kicks off everything and where the modern blockbuster is now. The Dark Knight. Yeah. Huge prestige superhero movie. And then this, Hancock. What about my super ex-girlfriend? Was that the same summer? I don't know. Uh, It was around then. (laughs) Um, This is also a Will Smith movie. Like, summer of 2008, he's still a gigantic star. I don't know. By the time well, you well, hear, but now still, yeah, yeah, yeah but just, like uh, he he's had doesn't... a lot of misses. No, it's because he was trying to prop up his kids for a while. I mean, that's the, 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 he's still like the movies don't always work. But Will Smith is always nobody ever gets out of a Will Smith movie and goes, I didn't like Will Smith in that. Everyone's still like, okay, it's Will Smith, but he's not the, the best choice. King Will. of the summer blockbuster right. right now. No, I mean, yeah, yeah, for sure. So this is based off of a script called Tonight He Comes. Remember that. It will come back to great importance. Oh, good. Um, So this movie went through 12 years of production hell. Uh, Had huge directors attached to it throughout the... Over a decade in its pre-production, including Tony Scott and Michael Mann. Michael Mann actually was going to do this and left to do Miami Vice, which is another mess of a film. So maybe he made the right choice. I don't know. Um, But also every major actor was up for this role, including Matt Damon... Ben Affleck, Leonardo DiCaprio, everyone. So this movie's in turnaround. Michael Mann leaves to do Miami Vice, and he recommends Peter Berg to take it over. At that time, it was an R-rated script that was penned by Vince Gilligan years before Breaking Bad took off. And it included a lot of the backstory of the main character, Hancock, played by Will Smith. It was closer to that original 1996 draft. So Sony takes it. They say no to the R-rating. They basically cut out a ton of scenes. They make Peter Berg do a ton of reshoots. Um, famously, Johnny Galecki and I think it's the guy from um, How I Met Your Mother. What's his name? Uh, Josh Ratner. Yeah, I believe it's both of them. They were entirely cut out of this movie. Huh. Um, things like that. So you have a whole lot of backstory being lost. And then the title scene, Tonight He Comes, is cut out. So this started out as a dark drama about what if a superhero really lived among us and he had this existential crisis of why am I here, I'm alone, whatever. And like he turns, Unbreakable. Like Unbreakable. But he turns into an alcoholic super god. And the tonight he comes is basically from a very famous scene from the draft where he's having sex with a girl and he has to pull out and he shoots and shoots a hole with his semen through 
the roof of the trailer that he's in. And that's the whole thing, is he can't get close to any human because he would kill them. Oh, so it's like the speech that... Uh that Jason Lee gives in Mallrats. Yes. About why super about why superheroes can't have sex. Yes. So they took that speech and they made a movie out of it. Vince Gilligan made an R-rated <laughs> drama out of it. Okay. Um, sure. So uh, the first half of this movie is okay. Like it's got a, a really light Will Smith summer blockbuster tone to it. Um, he's an asshole of a superhero. He gets drunk. Like he tries to save people, but he causes a lot of collateral damage. Um, you know, and then the town gets mad at him. Things that would then also be echoed many years later after the whole, um, in the Batman v Superman thing. Like, it was dealing with collateral damage of a superhero here in 2008. Mm. Uh, and then you got Jason Bateman as the supporting character who's this just, uh, uh, he's a schmuck. That, that's all he is. He plays like a beta cuck whiny guy who just, his first scene is going to like a giant corporate office and trying to get them to like, buy this branding he copyrighted to show that they care about the environment and the people and all the corporate people laugh and kick him out of the office because he hasn't sold them any ideas or any ways to do good just a branding that'll do good like he sucks and he's a pr guy and hancock saves his life and he's like look man i can help turn your image around and then there's the middle act a little bit of the middle act of the movie where he's like turning him around and he gets him a superhero costume and he tries to get him to not be drunk how many montages I think there's only like two, but one of them is like the one where he's showing like YouTube clips of Hancock like trying to save stuff and accidentally destroying other stuff. It's that kind of a tone. And then the movie takes a gigantic twist. Hancock goes to dinner with Jason Bateman's wife. Um, Jason Bateman's wife is played by Charlize Theron. And Will Smith is like kind of digging on her, you know, because he's a, an asshole. And she's clearly a married woman, but like he tries to kiss her and then she kicks the crap out of him. And it turns out she's a superhero too. And way back when, when they were gods, the rule was if they paired up, they would slowly become mortal together. So these two to stay alive separated and Hancock has amnesia and doesn't know what he was because he was almost mortal and he was with her and then he got beat by this secret society who hates these people and she left him and kept anonymous so that, you know, Hancock would be safe, the person that she really loves and then has this life with Jason Bateman and it, it madness ensues. You've got like a secret society who doesn't like superheroes. You've got multiple superheroes in this weird Egyptian religion. Um, it's absolutely awful. And honestly, I think this movie broke Will Smith. Um, <laughs> after this movie, he has not had a higher opening box office weekend until Suicide Squad. Uh, shit. Yeah. So yes, we're trying to prop up his kids. Stupid bad, stupid good father. But yeah, um, so the the script sucks, and I do put a lot of this on studio meddling. But yeah, the CGI is rushed at the time. It doesn't really mesh with his kinetic style of editing. So when you know you're trying to do really fast cuts and you're trying to show something that's largely CGI, it just ends up looking a little bit more fake, and that you're hiding stuff. Um, yeah. Also, the CGI budget was apparently under-projected by about half, and the studio was like, we're not going to give you the rest of the money. Well, so also, just finish I mean, it shallowly. That's something that happens with a lot of older CGI-heavy movies, though. They don't need to so, I mean, that's a factor there. Yeah, but, I mean, this is the same year as Iron Man. Yeah. Like, if you watch these side-by-side, side, it is vastly different. Well, yeah, I imagine um, the budget's a lot lower for Hancock. 
And, and the reshoots really changed the tone of the movie. Uh, so you've got this like humorous Will Smith tone on top of this very dark framework. It doesn't work well at all. That's the movie. I, I don't recommend that you watch it. Um, it's something that I think people will come around to and talk about like this weird outlier of a film exists that covered a lot of stuff that would later come. But it just... It, the pieces, we weren't ready for it. And so the studio meddled with it and it just fell apart. Yeah. And studios meddle with superhero movies sometimes. That's just how it goes. So, no, I mean, it makes sense. Um, so yeah, that's Hancock. Um, the next thing I just wanted to mention is... Peter Berg wrote The Losers yeah. coming off of this. I, it was a movie that like I haven't rewatched in a while, but I remember liking. It's like based off of a graphic novel yeah. or a comic book. It's also got Chris Evans in yet another comic book role, but he's really funny in it. It was a movie that, if I recall, got really bad reviews, but I remember... Uh, I, I feel like I watched it around the time it came out as well. And it was, yeah. I remember being like, it was all right. It's a knockoff A-team. Yeah. It's kind of fun. Um, but yeah, so next up is 2012's Battleship. <laughs> Go. So, uh, Run, I mean, my son. Okay, so here's the thing, right? So, yeah, he did Battleship. He decided to go from superheroes to board games, right? Uh, and, you know, studios wanted to start making board game movies because they didn't have any fucking ideas in, in 2012. And so <laughs> they made a, they, they decided to make a, a, board, a, a board game film. And I remember reading about this entire production process, like, during it. Like, I remember there'd be articles popping up, like, you know, Facebook or wherever people read. And, like... They're like, yeah, there's gonna, they're making a battleship, the movie, and I'm like, how the fuck is that gonna work? It turned out they decided to do it with aliens. Aliens, <laughs> aliens. that'll solve the problem. Aliens is how aliens. you do it. But, aliens uh, should be added to every board game movie ever. So, clues with aliens. So, all right, okay. So everyone shits on Battleship. Yeah, I mean, it came out. It was a, it was a, it was a commercial flop, right? Uh, you know, it was a movie that people... I don't think anyone was really expecting it to be good, but whatever whatever the final product that came out, people were like, wasn't expecting this. <laughs> I don't know what people expected, to be honest. And this... I'll clarify, I'm not a big sci-fi guy. I think the idea of board game movies is fucking stupid. And I watched Battleship, and God damn it, if I didn't think it was pretty fun. I feel like people undersold this movie. It is... I won't go. Like, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and lie to you and say it's a great movie. It's not. However, for a 90 minute fucking alien on the water action movie starring uh, Taylor Kitsch from Friday Night Lights, right? That's what he's from. Yeah, it's the Friday Night Lights guy, not the movie, the show. The the, the guy who directed the John movie. Carter. <laughs> it's John Carter. I know it's John Carter, but I prefer Friday Night Lights because I want to remember him for good things like Battleship and Friday Night Lights and Gambit. Yeah, and uh, the later the later movie we'll talk about in the bed. But I I find I found him in this movie to be to be a, a your your average like like your average Joe guy who gets sort of thrown into this military operation even though he's a military guy but like he's a military guy they established doesn't really give a shit so it's like that sort of like sergeant bilko has to fight aliens type thing uh and <laughs> what? no like you know it's a military guy doesn't give a shit about the military right like it's like it's like buffalo soldiers but with fucking aliens right like the, i don't know and, and like yeah, this, the, like the CGI is perfectly fine. It's not above average, but it's just like it's this goofy like moron leads a team, 
Brianna's in it. She's never been good at acting. She's really bad in this. She like she's giving generic military dialogue that I feel like anybody could say believably, and I listen to her do it, and I go, oh no, you're not good at talking. Sing or stop. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Like yeah, as far as Battleship goes. I think it's it, it's a it's an enjoyable rainy day film that you finish and you go well. That was there were worse uses of my time than watching this fucking thing, and I don't feel like people ever say that about Battleship. Everyone just wants to pretend Battleship sucks, and I'm, I see through the bullshit. I think Battleship is okay. I think you're wrong. <laughs> uh, so here's my take on Battleship. I think it is just shy of being a good bad movie. It, there's just something about it that's a little like it almost takes itself a little bit too not seriously but because I don't think it takes itself that seriously I think it takes itself too cool dare I say that like especially with the beginning with Taylor Kitsch like an actor that I, I kind of like but I don't think really chooses good material it, look he steals stuff from the convenience store or whatever the, yeah like that. All, all that oh, stuff I thought that scene and was cool and the soccer game it established and the cool. beginning and the feud with Liam Neeson I, I was just all like Ugh. this is a little like it wants to be too slick I think and that's one of the reasons it falls short for being a good bad movie. Yeah, I um, guess it's all perspectives, right? Because you're looking yeah. at it from the you know the standpoint of you know the lead, the lead who wants to be really cool. I look at it like a lead who just wants to like like I look at Taylor Kitsch's character and I'm like, this is just a dude trying to get through the fucking day. And now there's aliens on the battleship and he's got to fucking deal with it. And to me, that's that's entertaining. If I thought he was trying to be super cool, I, it would probably annoy me as well. I'll say this. Notably, I love boat movies, and this is a boat movie I don't like. Fair. Uh, boat is, movies are generally like a an easy three for this me. This is this movie's a fucking anomaly for me because it's a it's a it's a sci-fi board game movie. You love it. I know. I gave I it to you it. for Christmas. I don't love it. I, I I like it. Right. I like it. I lo- the reason I have an appreciation for it is because it gets so much shit from everybody. I think you love this movie. I feel like I distinctly remember you twice. telling me. I know. I distinctly remember you telling me. Like we were talking about, it, and you're like, "Yeah, man, I've watched that like three times, like <laughs> in the past like four months." Yeah, I mean, there was a period of time where it meant a lot to me. You know, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's important. There's an important battleship stage in every man's life, and uh, <laughs> it's you know, it's good. No, I, no, I don't. We all uh, play the game, <laughs> battleship. But then we're gonna do a, a good, good movie, which is Lone Survivor, um, which is movie did in uh, 2013. It actually, had two Oscar nominations as well. I did not know that. Well, I believe one for best sound editing, which yeah, uh, I gotta look at what the other one is. Um, probably worth that one. Um, but so this is the so Lone Survivor is uh, the the biggest gripe I have with it. I'll open with the biggest gripe is that. What the fuck title? Why the hell are you spoiling this goddamn movie? Like, oh, really? <laughs> oh, fuck. Okay, I'm going to be really honest with you. I thought Lone Survivor was more along the lines of, like, behind enemy lines where, like, he's the lone survivor and they got to go in and get him. No, it's four guys that go into a thing. Wahlberg lives. Oh, that would really that. piss me off. No, it's like they, they all go in and I'm watching this thing and I'm just like, God damn it, fuck you, title. I... <laughs> But, like, I think it's based off a book of the same name by the guy who lived. Like, I get it, but, like, title it something else. 
God damn it. Coming up for you, uh, Oscar nominee for Best Achievement in Sound Mixing and Best Achievement in Sound Editing. Yeah, no, it's, it's sound, and the sound's really good. So, like, a big thing with this movie, uh, so actually, I'll give the premise first. Yeah. Um, so, it is, uh, the movie opens up with almost, it's almost like a military uh, recruitment video type thing, um, showing, like, you know, the, like, the, the, the proud nature of uh, uh, Marine Corps. Um, and then, uh, then it cuts to, and the, the, the first, uh, I, you know, the first 30 minutes of the movie is just sort of, like, kind of banter, soldiers hanging out. Uh, to put in perspective, just before I even really get into it, the best comparison of this movie that you can possibly make to another movie is this is uh, a, uh, this is Black Hawk Down, but for the 2010s. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you're getting the kind of banter and stuff like that uh, from the different characters. And then a, a set of four dudes, um, their commander who's not going with them is Eric Bana. The four dudes who go in, it's Mark Wahlberg, um, Ben Foster, Taylor Kitsch, and uh, uh, Neil Hirsch are the four guys that go behind enemy lines. So the whole thing is, right, and this is, if, you, if I'm, I'm trying to tear the balance of trying to explain the plot while also trying to analyze it critically. Uh, the big thing that holds this movie back from being great, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is that the uh, the characters are not well developed. Uh-huh. Uh, and the thing is, is like it's they've got their banter with each other, and they're all notable actors who I like. So I sort of get the glimpses of who these people are a little bit, but I don't think that the movie like the movie doesn't tell me really anything about these people's backstories. Doesn't really show me their relationships super heavily it shows banter it shows that uh, Wahlberg's the leader um it you know and then you know but that's the thing is that like I feel like I'd be a lot more connected to the movie itself I was a lot more connected to the characters yeah. um what happens is they go behind they go behind enemy lines they're trying to take out a famous um a member of Al-Qaeda um uh, they come across some Afghani citizens that they're debating whether or not are insurgent um and they're dis- and they're decided and they have a, a scene of a, one of the main moral scenes of the movie is they're standing there and they go okay do we let these people go and risk them alerting terrorists of where we are do we tie them up where they could still break free and that risk is still there but also they could get eaten or whatever or do we just fucking kill them and they have that debate with each other right interesting um I'm going to do give spoilers for this. Uh, no, that's fine. This. So they let them go. Lo and behold, their their position is alerted, and they come under heavy attack. Um, and this is where the movie really shines. The battle sequences are absolutely fantastic. There's some later uh, Peter Berg where I, I'm not as in love with some of his action scenes and stuff like that. This is all super tight. Uh, I think of the rundown where there's a lot of scenes in the rundown of people falling down hills for comedy. There are scenes of this of them falling down hills and it's not comedy. And that's where you get to the sound editing where like you hear like the bones fucking breaking as characters fall down hills. And like, you know, and they're, they're the whole uh, the, this main battle scene, which is about, uh, I want to say, they, I don't know the exact length. It feels like it's about 30 minutes. And it, I don't know if it, like, oh, in a good way. Like, it's just this really tense fucking battle. This is a two-hour movie that flies by, I'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but anyway, it's the, these characters are all all coming under heavy, uh, heavy attack, and they're all getting killed. 
Um, are there slow motion whips? Uh, yeah, yeah. There's those. Oh, God, he's so good. Uh, no, it's there's a there's a lot of slow uh, and like no, he takes his time on the deaths of the other three actors, mm-hmm. uh, other three characters, not actors, the actors alive. Um, but uh, uh, but yeah, and then Wahlberg ultimately gets saved by another Afghani person. And so it sort of pulls the you know the the circle the you know the cyclical nature. Some are good, some are bad. Yeah, right, exactly, and that's the idea of it. But it's a you know, and it's the kind of thing where I know people definitely came out when like when this movie got released, there were people that were like, "Rar, America," and then there were other people that were like, "This is this movie's war propaganda that makes you think you're in the military so cool." No, I disagree with both you fuckers. I think this is a very, very good reason to not join the military, but also shows the sacrifices the military gives. And, like, you know, and it's the sacrifices they make for each other. And, you know, and that, that sort of, that, that sort of element's very much there. Cool. Uh, honestly, it's a, it's a good movie. It's a, I will say of uh, Peter Berg's movie, uh, of the Peter Berg movies that I have seen within his filmography, it is probably the best one as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it's definitely not without its flaws, but it is a good movie and it earned that Oscar nom. And honestly, if the if the script just got uh, gave a little bit more to the actors, I think that uh, the, that this movie would be considered a, a war classic. It's already sort of on the way, at least in some circles. I remember hearing good buzz about it. Yeah. My question is, so the lack of character development, do they try to go the Predator route where everyone's got like a clear, or the Expendables route where everyone's got like a clear identifiable skill set? Not really. A weapon? Nah. See, that hurts movies. That's, it's, it, like, they don't spend enough time, like, there's, like, I can't tell you, I watched this movie today. And I can't tell you a thing about any of these fucking people. Like it's just and the thing like it's actors it's actors I like and you know the and the they have like the banter's there but I can't even put the characters in boxes because they literally just don't give enough to them. Uh-huh. And like it's it, like but it's it like the movie just looks so good. The battle scenes are so tense. The moral of the movie is very well grounded. Like it's a. It's a good movie. It's just it's a good movie and not a great movie due to lack of character development in my mind. But so, no, that you sold me on that movie. No, 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 I'm, no watch I'm, it for sure. I'm I mean, kind of interested. Um, I'm very interested. Now, if we can, uh, what I would like to do mm-hmm. since you you did like we're in both these, so there's not going to be as much of a comparison. But you know, I feel like you need to present Deepwater Horizon and Patriots Day, his next two films that were released the same year, starring the same actor. Uh, I feel like you need to do a dual. Discussion of these movies. Okay. They need to be compared. Okay. Let's compare and contrast. Um, one movie is bad, one movie is good. Interesting. Uh, it's easy enough to say that. Um, and you would, like, going into this, I thought it was going to be the opposite way around. Um, so, I, I think, D- yeah, Deepwater Horizon came out first, I believe. Um, Deepwater Horizon, both, both of these are based on true stories. Yes. Weird. Um, but, so, it is based off of the true story of the worst oil spill in history um I, I looked up the stats four million barrels of oil were released into the gulf of mexico over 87 days um and then i went and looked at some very very sad footage of like what it looks like now and it's like no no, no it's still a fucking wasteland and like no there's terrible things happening um the movie doesn't really deal with any of that it is about the oil rig and the explosion and a cast of characters trying to get off of the exploding oil 
So it really doesn't, like, right at the end, it kind of goes into the ramifications of the action of the movie. But not enough, and that's the interesting stuff. Um, so kind of like Lone Survivor, you get a setup of a cast of characters that are all meeting at the airport to go out to the oil rig. And they include Kurt Russell and Mark Wahlberg, and uh, I'm going to call her... Uh, Poor man's Michelle Rodriguez, basically. Um, and they all fly out to the oil rig. John Malkovich is on the oil rig with a couple other, like, that guy character actors. And basically, we find the oil rig is in disrepair. We're never totally shown it. It's people talk about it. And it culminates in, all right, we, we have two shafts. One's like an escape hatch and one's a, the oil one. And they run tests on both of them to see, like, how things are going. From my description, you can kind of tell that the logistics of the oil rig are not explained very well. But basically, you find out that, like, nah, this, uh, this might be a problem. And then it turns out it is a problem, and it explodes, and oil catches on fire, and there's tons of flames. And then it is basically our cast of characters trying to get off the thing. Uh, one of the big problems is him in his just incredibly high speed edits i don't get a sense of the oil rig i don't understand the spatial geography of what relates to what i don't understand what obstacles are in our hero's way okay. where they have to get to versus where they're coming from that all is really muddled um and honestly for all of that there's not a lot of obstacles that they have to overcome uh, it's like a full hour of the movie of this really boring, pedantic setup where the banter is really not that good. It's not very character-revealing. It's just kind of banter, and half of it's techno-mumbo-jumbo that's not delivered very well. Mm. Um, also, techno-mumbo-jumbo that you kind of need to understand mm. that's not delivered very well. And the movie tries to Titanic a couple of times, the whole you jump, I jump. Then there's the bad guy played by John Malkovich, and he gets in the lifeboat before all the others, and the lifeboat's going down, and he's sitting there like, uh, what's his fuck uh, in Titanic? Oh, is that? No, no, no. The um, Jumanji. The hunter in Jumanji. The dad in Jumanji. Oh, Jonathan uh, Hyde. Jonathan Hyde, yeah. yeah. It does that almost shot for shot. So, like, it's borrowing from some disaster films, but it just doesn't have the character set up nor the fun obstacles in the disaster for it to be a true disaster movie. Okay. Um, and so I looked into this, and oddly enough, so the original director for this movie was the guy who did All Is Lost, which is a movie I really liked, which is not a disaster movie, but a survival movie. He's an artsy-fartsy guy, but he's pretty good, and this was like a really hot script that was bought off of the New York Times article that it was about. It had a lot of environmental issues in there, and then they basically chopped all of the environmental issues out and things like that and just tried to make it this generic action movie. It doesn't work. On the other hand, you have Patriot's Day, which is taking a ripped-from-the-headlines news article, hot script, and is doing it incredibly well. One's a disaster, one's trying to be a disaster movie, and one's trying to just be, like, a crime thriller. Yeah. Almost biopic. Um, but Patriot's Day is the other one. Um, and I loved Patriot's Day. Okay. It hit on a couple things that, like... You love Boston stuff. I love Boston stuff, and this movie has so much... This movie Boston's the Boston out of Boston. 
there are multiple moments where they're trying to do the New York City Pride thing with Boston. The, you know, if you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. Yeah. They try to do that, but to hilarious effect in this movie. Um, so much so, like, it opens with a... Mark Wahlberg is a cop uh, who is apparently, like, on the shit list for some reason. You don't ever know why, but he's, like, just had knee surgery or something, so he's got a limp. And none of that's really explained. You just know Mark Wahlberg is a cop. It's his last day of being on the shit list, and he has to report for the Boston Marathon, and he has to be in his dress blues. And he's like, oh, come on, chief. What do I got to do? It's my last day. I just want a hot bath and an ice pad. And John Goodman is the police chief. And John Goodman, a fantastic actor, cannot do a Boston accent. And he tries, but basically uh, he's like, no, you just understand, you gotta show up. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. But they're arresting this perp, and the perp's like, I don't know, she fucking hit me with a smoothie. And they can't understand, and he makes the motion of an iron, and they're like, smoothie? You mean a fucking iron? And I, like, that's the kind of level of like, we're... Tr so it's like stronger. It's like it's like stronger. This movie, tr this movie goes over the line sometimes with trying to show Boston and it being patronizing to the random Boston citizen. Um, but it's fucking funny, and I loved it. No, no, I mean that, that's the funniest. Stronger, the funniest parts of Stronger yeah. are when they're making fun of Boston people. Like I. I watch the the making fun of Boston people stronger all fucking day. Mm -hmm. I just don't want to watch, uh, you know, the Jake Gyllenhaal try to bathe for ninety minutes. Like so th this movie is not that. It's it's so this movie has plot to, <laughs> to get on with it. Basically, it's the Boston bombing, and uh, you start by kind of seeing everyone getting to the marathon. And then there are the wonderful sweeping overhead shots that every Boston movie has to have of Boston uh, and the stadium and the city. And then the bombings happen. And it's all done rather well, except for the setup of the characters. Um, you never really totally meet the people who are victims of the bombing. So th that's a little gripe I have with the movie is that like setting up to the bombing, you're not really getting invested. Again, not spatial geography, but like character geography. Like I see someone and then I'm not totally sure where they are with the Boston bombing um, and where they are when it explodes, how it relates to them. And then when they get separated, I'm kind of like, which one are you? Everyone's missing a leg. So it's hard to tell which one you are. That's the kind of thing. But Mark Wahlberg is a super cop and he's there right near the bombing. He runs in, and then when the FBI shows up, played by Kevin Bacon, uh, Great. he turns into Super Cop, who has to help them through the bombing. And there's this great weird scene where he, like, they go, they're at the task force head site, and Kevin Bacon's like, okay, so we need to find this guy. We know he's got a white hat show me what cameras and mark Wahlberg is walking around this like chalk outline setting he's like i remember i, I busted this pup he was um um wegmans look at the wegmans camera on 52nd street and then they pull it up and there's the guy okay where does he go now mark Wahlberg? um um remember that guy he ran into peppies um and it was the the back alley camera from the, the cbs and then they pull it up, and, and like there's a scene of that, and it's almost like Sherlock the BBC show, where he's just like <laughs> but, pulling random but like information. Just some like fucking bro from Boston. <laughs> yeah, and that is a lot of people make that the criticism of the movie is the fact that Mark Wahlberg is a the only fictionalized character, and he is the through line. He is 
a bro Boston cop that just happens to keep showing up at every relevant break in the Boston bombings. Sure. Uh, yeah, it's fine. And you know what? They pepper you in a lot of like good supporting characters that also happen to be at each individual one that kind of forgive it. Like, there's a middle shootout that just happens with J.K. Simmons, and J.K. Simmons is established earlier a little bit as a cop. But that's his main shootout. So you get, like, things like that. It just happens that Mark Wahlberg is running his way through all of these. Um, you, and the movie's The Manhunt for the Bombers, and it's told relatively accurately. Uh, I did not know the specifics. So, like, when someone gets killed that they set up at the beginning, I didn't realize that, oh, yeah, that's the MIT security guard who famously got shot in a carjacking by them. I was just like, who the fuck is this guy? He's not in the bombing. Why Why do you keep cutting to him? I don't get it. And then it all makes sense. And that's what it plays out. It's kind of like the Ebert law of not enough characters. Every major character they show us is someone that's directly influenced on the plot. So it's a really interesting story. I remember the Boston bombing, but I don't, like, I didn't follow the investigation. I don't totally remember the specifics besides, like, yeah, it was two guys, and one of them died. One of them they found in a boat. And Mark Wahlberg was there. And, and Mark Wahlberg was there the entire <laughs> way of the investigation leading. Um, yeah, I really liked it. it, okay. it, it you know what? I'm probably a dummy. I, like, it was... You just love Boston. So. It was, again, spoon-fed. The, the plot and the news was spoon-fed to me. I imagine if you followed it closely, you might not like this as much because you know exactly what's going to happen. But for me, it was entertaining. And the best thing is the magnificent... Boston things. The <laughs> Boston Strong is like a motif at the end, but throughout they pepper in little wonderful moments of like Boston citizens trying to help out, but they do it in hilarious ways. The first one is like there's a main shootout and this guy is like opening his front porch and bullets and bombs are flying everywhere and the cops are like running out of ammo and this guy just comes from his front door and he says, hey, give him hell! And he tosses like a sledgehammer at the cop in the <laughs> middle of the shootout. The other one is we're at the final showdown and literally all of the snipers and all of the SWAT team and the FBI, everyone's surrounding the boat and everyone's climbing on the rooftops and you hear the call, all right, all local officers back off and all the local officers leave and the SWAT team takes their place and there's this Boston bro on top of the roof with like a small handgun and the SWAT team member goes, uh, sir, you're gonna have to leave now. And he says, I'm blah 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 from like Worcester, and I'm not going anywhere. And the, the SWAT team guy just goes, eh, I'm glad you're here with us. <laughs> like, like, get this man away! He's a civilian pointing a gun at a terrorist. And it's like, and he's like, I'm not fucking moving. Glad to have you with us. It, it's little things like that that are peppered throughout that I'm just like, fuck yeah, Boston. Nice. But it's hilarious. I just thought way too long about that. No, you're fine. But guys, this movie was something that I didn't know a lot about. I learned a lot. I looked up the Wikipedia afterward, and it seems like it was, for the most part, pretty accurate. Minus, it's a movie. You have to invent the Mark Wahlberg connection to tie it all through. It probably would have served the story better if they would have made, like, Kevin Bacon's character, the guy who did all of that and seemed super smart. But, like... Mark Wahlberg is going to Boston in a Boston movie. Just let him have this one. Yeah, it's fine. No, you sold me on that one. So I want to talk about Mile 22, and I might inadvertently sell you on this one, even though it's fucking dog shit. <laughs> uh, so, no. Uh, so Mile 22 is the most recent film that Peter Berg did. 
Uh, this was a, a flop that came out in 2018. Okay. Um, and it's a it's a Mark Wahlberg movie, and uh, it's a it's a military Mark Wahlberg Peterberg movie. Um, it's uh, it's 16 blocks, but in a foreign country, like it, <laughs> like it's what it is. It's it, right. so. Uh, Mark Wahlberg works for uh, some special forces team. John Malkovich is the head of the team. Hey. Uh, wow, John Malkovich is back. He's there. Uh, he's uh, you know he's not really doing all that much. Like he just sort of leads the team. He couldn't do a Boston accent, so he was like, "I'm going to take Patriots Day off, Berg, but bring me back." He's just like, "Yeah, you know, <laughs> I will be the flies rotting around your buzzing around your rotting corpse." Oh, good. Um, no, no, he doesn't talk. Like he's just he's just like, "Yeah, team, go do the team thing." And they're like, oh, 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 all right, John, um, or Bishop, his character's name, Bishop. All right, Bishop. Um, but it's, it's crack team. It's Mark Wahlberg, uh, this girl, Lauren Cohen. I don't know her. Um, uh, Ronda Rousey's in a prominent role in this fucking movie. Um, We're still trying to make her a thing. She's not that good at acting. Uh, but, uh, so, and then the big thing is, that, so they're protecting this guy played by uh, is, uh, Eco Uyas. Um, it's an a Asian actor um, does uh, uh, martial arts type stuff best part of the movie to be honest oh cool no, uh, so uh, but that's the guy they're protecting right so they're, they're the special team and like so there's a, the opening scenes like special teams going into this house where they think there might be uranium and they go in and the house it has uranium and they, and like they, there's a big shootout or whatever and then uh, Mark Wahlberg uh there's this there's this kid running away at the end and Mark Wahlberg's like pointing a gun at him and the kid's about to point a gun at Mark Wahlberg and he and he goes he goes you're gonna regret killing me and then Wahlberg shoots him in the fucking face and uh, that's the opening of the movie but that comes back um, uh, this is just like Broken <laughs> City so so anyway that there's a lie that I don't know that Lauren Cohen's going through a divorce or something Mark Wahlberg. Throughout the entirety of this movie, he is top build. He is the lead. I swear to you, you could replace Mark Wahlberg with Andy Samberg doing Mark Wahlberg talks to animals. That's him in this movie. I swear to fucking God, he doesn't say a thing that's related to anything else. He just goes on little rants. And that's it. That's all he fucking does. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, Mark Wahlberg, the entire movie, like, they'll be like, like... He goes, like, he goes over to uh, the lady as she's going through the divorce. Like, she's going through a divorce, and the guy wants to take her kid or something. I don't give a shit. But, but so Walter goes over, and he's just like, hey, you doing your job, huh? You doing your job? And she's like, I'm having a personal phone call. He's like, no, no. He's like, fuck personal phone calls. Do your job. And she's like, okay. And, and she's like, okay, well, I'll go brief the thing. He's like, I'm going to go brief the thing. Do your job. Do your job. Whatever your job is. I don't know what your job is. You know, you ever, you ever, go, to, you ever, you ever go to the mall? And, like, you know, he'll just start talking about something else. Like, I don't know, but I swear to you, Mark Wahlberg for this entire movie doesn't say a fucking thing that's related to the scene he's in at any point. <laughs> and he talks constantly. And it's like, it is the most amazingly distracting thing I've ever seen. Because I'm just like, the plot's trying to plot and Wahlberg's just like riffing to no one in the middle of the scene. And then like other characters will be like, hey, Wahlberg's character, you're kind of an asshole. And I'll be like, I know. <laughs> Do you, 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 you ever wear? Do you ever wear hot pants? And it's like, what? 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 <laughs> Plot movie. And then like, they have uh, 
Ronda Rousey's like supposed to be the supportive best friend. That's what she's cast as to to the Lauren Cohen, the main girl. Mm-hmm. And it's hilarious because there's a scene where <laughs> the, I audibly laughed out loud alone in my hotel room watching this movie because girl's coming out after some divorce related shit and she just got in a fight with Wahlberg where he just sort of trailed off and wandered away <laughs> and she comes out and Ronda Rousey comes out with like this puppy dog look on her face and she goes is everything okay and the girl goes yeah sure and she goes alright and she leaves and that's the scene <laughs> that's it they passed the Bechdel test <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I guess. Uh, I don't know, does it count if Mark Wahlberg's in the background talking about monkeys? Because, like, that's what he does. Apparently there are a lot of semantics with that. But, (laughs) But, wow, this sounds bad. So, then, so, like, there's a scene, and I will say, this is the what I would consider to be the only scene that I thought was particularly good in the movie. This is another thing. This is, the cinematography in this movie is, Peter Berg does a lot of cuts, and we mentioned this before, where Peter Berg, typically, when movies he directs, have a lot of fast cuts and that sort of thing. There'll be a scene of them sitting in a boardroom talking about nothing, often with Wahlberg literally ranting about garbage, and they'll cut, like, every two seconds to something else, and it doesn't make any sense. Like, it's not aiding the scene, it's just like the movie has, like, visual Tourette syndrome, and it's just like, here, and it'll cut to, like, random fucking shit that's not in the scene. And, like, the scenes do that all the time in this movie, I don't know why. Like, if it was on DVD, I'd think the DVD was skipping, but that's not, I was watching it on fucking Showtime. You know, it's like, (laughs) this is just how the movie is. Like, visually, it's a fucking seizure. I I can do this, but can you, because you've done a really good job... uh, I'm just rambling. With this point. No, no, no. Is there another movie that you can kind of relate this one to? Because, like, it sounds like a movie that I know, but I don't know what it is. No, no. I've never seen seen anything like this because it's just so strange. And then, like, so that, like, like, I, I think it's like, it's like 16 Blocks was set in Kuwait and, like, Baz Luhrmann directed it. Like, it, like it, it's, it's just, like, so fucking out there. But oh, did you not read Baz Luhrmann's next project? Is 16 Blocks remix set in Kuwait? Good. Well, I'll, I'll be sure it's your turn to watch it uh, <laughs> when we do Baz Luhrmann. But no. Uh, Fuck off. But anyway, so there's a, there's a really sweet scene where he, they're in this government building that they work in. It's mostly been them just sort of hanging out in this government building. And uh, the, there's assassins breaking in to kill the, the Asian witness who they're ultimately protecting. And he's handcuffed to a hospital bed. And he takes everyone out while handcuffed to a hospital bed. Cool. At, just using martial arts skills. And that scene, I was just like, fuck yeah. Hope there's more of this. There wasn't. Uh, and uh, it, like, I watched that one scene and I was like, this movie has hope. And then Wahlberg comes in and he's just like, oh, it's a mess in here. Do you ever, do you ever have your messy bedroom? It's <laughs> like, what? what? <laughs> like, the, 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 and then so the, the plot just centers around the protecting him. There's some firefights and stuff. Uh, you know, people get killed, whatever. They don't give a shit. But the whole thing, the twist, twist, twist. Yeah, the guy they're protecting was a bad guy, actually. Oh, twisty. <laughs> yeah. So the guy they're protecting is a bad guy, actually, and it turns out the person that Wahlberg shot in the face in the beginning of the movie was, was the 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 head of a, a country as kid, and so that person hired the Asian guy to pretend to be a an informant, and uh, he kills everybody except Wahlberg. Uh, and then Wahlberg is 
Oh, and then he tells Mark Wahlberg, say hi to your mother for me. I'm not kidding. That's a line of dialogue in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then, the end of the movie, instead of killing this bad guy, Mark Wahlberg stares at a picture of him and goes, I'll get you one day. And it ends. Sequel! <laughs> So mile twenty three. That it like that, 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 but that's it. That's or mile forty four. That's the move. I don't know mile fucking whatever. Like it, it, like it, so like okay. In terms of bad, it's movies bad, bad movie, bad mm-hmm. bad job movie, bad bad movie. Uh, at the same time, I can't stress enough. This entire movie feels like it's Andy Samberg talking, playing Mark Wahlberg talking to animals. And they just shoved that character that Andy Samberg created and made Mark Wahlberg play that character in a film. And they even honor it at the end with Say Hi to Your Mother for Me, which is such a clear reference to that. And, like, they deliberately don't have Wahlberg say it. And, uh, I don't know. Like, this movie, I don't know. I don't know. This, this is, a, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know how to talk about that. Like it, it doesn't seem real. Like I, I, I swear to you, I didn't just prick, like pretend I watched this movie when I had a yeah. fever. Like this is this. I watched this fucking movie. This movie's awful. Damn. And like it's the kind of thing where it's like, yeah, I love so bad it's good. I just raved about how much I like Battleship. Mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah, this move. This movie's. This is a long ninety-four minutes. <laughs> and. Yeah, it, and yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I, I, to be honest, I have no idea what they were trying to do with this. I really don't. I wish I did. Mm-hmm. Normally, I, I I feel like I'd be in a good position to say it. This no. I, this is this might be wor- a worse film objectively than Very Bad Things. Very Bad Things is a movie I hate a lot more. But like, it is a sensical th- this narrative. Is, this is absent of good like other than that one cool fight scene and the action's not particularly good the characters aren't like I'm, I'm telling you I don't know anything about Mark Wahlberg's character he just he just spouts gibberish <laughs> that's a bummer yeah so I don't know yeah well um, the only thing I got kind of on top of that is uh, in 2019 maybe 2020 whatever coming up next is Wonderland, which is a movie that is in the can. It is another Mark Wahlberg joint where uh, he plays an ex-felon who returns to Boston's criminal underworld to unravel a twisted murder conspiracy. So, I don't know. It seems like a February movie to me, but Netflix bought it. So, who knows when we'll see it. Yeah. It sounds like a Peter Berg film. Let's do our wrap it up uh, overall analysis and stuff like that because the wrap it up music starting to play. I don't know if they can hear it. Um, Maybe but, a little bit. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, but, uh, but yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Peter Berg is a, a guy who I think has had a, a very uh, illustrious and diverse film career. He's had a lot of different genres with a lot of different things. Sort of found his sweet spot with Mark Wahlberg and military-esque films. But like, and even, cop films. Even so, he's still experimented with other things. Uh, he's almost teetering on journeyman at this point, but not really. Like I don't know. He's interesting because it... There's definitely a feel that Ber- Peter Berg movies have. Yeah. Uh, typically with the... Um, uh, the Fast Cuts and Mark Wahlberg. Fast Cuts, Mark Wahlberg, and... Uh, yeah, it's, a, he's like a journeyman who has auteur flavor. Yeah, and there's... A, you know, yeah, there's... Uh, tonally, there's definitely some things... Yeah. Uh, that, that his movies all kind of have in common. Uh, but yeah, I would say my, my personal favorite... 
of his movies. I think I think the I, I will say the best movie he has made is uh, is Lone Survivor, um, and uh, I would say in terms of in terms of hidden gems that that should be checked out. Uh, I don't know, probably probably a rundown. I mean, most people have seen that though. Uh, hidden gem wise, I'd say for me. Uh, yeah, fuck it. Goddamn Battleship, man. Watch Battleship again without... No, like, watch Battleship again, but do it without, like, you know, the media uh, poisoning you, you know, that the corporate capitalist plot trying to make you not like Battleship, and just appreciate Battleship for what it is, which is a rainy day alien board game movie. <laughs> um, yeah. The, in summation, I agree with you. Um, as we were going through this... <laughs> Not about the recommendations, but about Peter Berg. Uh, it, you're right. He's interesting. He's the material, the subject matter, and the editing is what kind of lends him the auteur name. I feel like there's... Hot take here. I feel like there's a good movie in him. Like a, I, I feel like there is a big sweeping epic in him. And we just haven't seen it yet. Like I don't know if he could necessarily do a Saving Private Ryan... But I think he could do something along those lines. I mean, he's in his he's in his like mid fifties now, so he's still got he's still got plenty of time to continue to make movies. So. Yeah, he's still making stuff. Maybe maybe let Mark sit one out, see what you can do with another actor. Like I would love to see him work with Will Smith again and do something like imagine Will Smith in one of those Mark Wahlberg movies. Like it yeah. could be interesting. Which also I'll clarify, Lone Survivor is Mark Wahlberg's favorite movie he's ever made of his. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and also, I, uh, I wouldn't argue his best performance because I've seen Boogie Nights before. But, like, uh, no, like, like, he is very, he does a very good job without having a lot of material. Mark Wahlberg is very good in Lone Survivor, so. Yeah. His so, best movie is Ted, though, but whatever. Well, sure. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, my favorite movie of his, or the best movie I think he's done, um, like, I, I'm so partial to the rundown because I watched it so much at that time like that was like a another kind of like sleepover movie for me mm. like it was just an easy PG-13 action movie that my friends and I loved um it's so of its time that I think it's like good for its time eh, it probably doesn't hold up as well as I want it to really um the hidden gem for me was Patriot's Day like I, I can't say enough how really engrossed I became in this movie watching it um, I was sucked in. I was doing research while I was watching it. I was trying to get more and more backstory. Not because the movie didn't give it to me, but because the movie made me interested in it. Um, but I fucking loved it. Every time he trotted out a new character actor, I, I was cheering. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so that is Peter Berg. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe us. All that bullshit that we didn't mention on the last episode. Just copy and paste it. Yeah. From the first one. Yeah. Um... And join us next time when we do I thought you were going to say something. I was going to sneeze over it so we could hide it. Oh, no. I was, uh, yeah, I really didn't know where I was going with that. I don't know. It's been a long day, man. We no, let's out. just go. Yeah, okay. I got to pee. Next time, next, next time, you'll know what one we do next because it'll be in the title. Yeah. All right. Peace out. <laughs>